Hi, kids. Welcome to Four Finger Discount. <laughs> I'll see you in a few weeks. Until then, I've turned things over to my bestest buddy in the whole wide world. Mitch and Dando. I want you to treat Mitch and Dando with the same respect you would give me. Now here's Mitch and Dando. Homie, I didn't get the part. You were right. Outside interests are stupid. Wait a minute. Mm, I'll come home right away. All right, I'll pick up a bucket of fried chicken, extra skin, rolls, chocolate cream parfait. <gasps> Stop bothering my lunch! <gasps> Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount, proudly brought to you by The Simpsons Quotes and Nobody Gets Anymore Facebook page and NoHomers.net. I am Dando. I am Mitch. Today Smith. we hit... <laughs> I was going to change my intro up and you just talked over oh, me. Okay, let's start again. <clears throat> I don't want to start again. Okay. Should we thank you to Chris Aikens for sending in that fantastic... Uh, Dr. Marvin Munro. Dr. Marvin Munro impersonation. <laughs> No, it's Crush the Clan. It was very good. Well done, Chris. We do appreciate it. Um, if you do a good impersonation of a Simpsons character, send it through to mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au. And if we feel it worthy, we'll play it. If you never hear it, we don't feel it's worthy. Yeah, that's our polite way of saying, please <laughs> try again. <laughs> if at first you don't succeed, just quit. Yeah. Although, feel okay in the fact that at least when I do really bad Simpsons impressions, it's generally that I'm trying for them for the first time live, and Dando will not edit them out. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're here to review A Streetcar Named Marge, an episode that you really, really enjoy. Yeah. An episode that I didn't look back on fondly. I will admit, it's a very good episode. Still not one of my favourites, though. Okay. I just don't like that a whole third of the episode is a play. But it's so funny. It is good, but it's, I don't know, it's just not, just not my thing. Okay, it's, it's good. I, I appreciate. Am it I going to need to understand? Am I going to need to un- explain all of the reasons why it's so funny? No, no, not at all. You know, it's not a musical. What do you mean, sort of musical? The Streetcar Named Desire is not a musical. It's a movie. Well, it was a play originally. Yeah, Pulitzer winning play by Tennessee. Williams, I know, like New New Orleans, New Orleans is what they say. But New Orleans, mm. that's how we pronounce it. And the mm. last track, like they, they actually wrote it for the for the episode. The stranger is a friend you haven't met. Oh no. Well, What's they wrote the song for the episode. The, yeah. the, the final line of that, the play... That's a line of the play, yes. Is, I, I have always depended on the kindness of strangers. Yeah. Now, I'll, I'll get... A little bit later on the episode, I'm going to get into a breakdown for people that might not be familiar with the play about why that's such an ironic line and why that final song is completely wrong for the actual feel of the play. Thanks to everybody that rated and reviewed us in the iTunes store this week. If you haven't done so, please do it. Uh, like us on Facebook and Twitter has been going well again. I'm really, really enjoying Three weeks it. in a row now. Yes, it's going really well. Keep it up. Keep it up, Mitch. You're doing well. If you haven't contacted Mitch on Twitter yet, make sure you do it. At Four Finger Pod. Mitch is responding to everybody now. I cannot believe my eyes. I was coming up with some hashtags the other day. Someone, it's going ballistic. People are trying to get us over to Canada. Yes. Um, and they were asking. Some they expo. Said that, said that, yeah, there's like a, a Comic-Con style expo yeah. in Canada. They wanted us to come up with some uh, hashtags to be able to... to I did see these. To spread, funny. to spread the ground, uh, to, sorry, to spread the word about four finger discount traveling over. So I came up with Canadando, Mitch Triol, or why not Ottawa? Yeah, <laughs> like that, that was my favorite. <laughs> why not Ottawa? <laughs> uh, also, thanks to our PayPal donors for this week. So thanks to Paul Kelly, David Nayer, and Tim Jubber. Big thumbs up to you guys. If you'd like to chuck a couple of dollars our way, you can go to fourfingerdiscount.com.au forward slash donate 
or if you like some bang for your buck, you can purchase our premium podcast. Cape Fear is on its way. We do promise it is on its way. I am almost back to full health. Yes. Uh, we already have Bart versus Australia and You Only Move Twice available now on the website, fourfingerdiscount.com.au. Just check it out. They're a dollar we do per episode. If you're going to purchase them, please do it in the same transaction. We pay less fees that way. Now, Mitch, your thoughts on the episode. I love it. It's one of my favourites. and Still? I- like one of the top 10? Would you say top 10 favourites or just... <laughs> One that you really enjoy going back and watching. Certainly one that I really enjoy going back and watching. Um, it's pretty densely layered. There's a lot There's a lot going on in there. I really like the writing of Marge in this. I really like how they make her so massively downtrodden to then be able to bring her up afterwards. And they, they really go to setting up how obnoxious Homer can be and how one-sided his sort of viewpoint can be when it comes to the relationship. Sometimes I feel that they go a bit over the top, making Homo be so one-sided just to sort of emphasize they need him to be like that for the story. Mm. Like Homo needs to be the dick in this story, so let's make him a real jerk. And I'm like, oh, but the episode beforehand, he wasn't this bad. Yeah, that's a fair point um, and, and a valid criticism of, of continuity. But still, I, I just, I do like it in this episode. I feel like it works. I also really love the meta aspect of this in that, like, Homer and Marge's relationship kind of reflects a number of the um, a number of the themes that come from the play of a streetcar named Desire. And during the same time, she's in this play adaption of a streetcar named Desire. So you've kind of you've got them having their cake and eating it too, and that they're parodying it in one sense, but they're also mimicking it in another. So it's it's nice in that regard. Plus, it's got the great escape. Yes. I will put almost any TV show, movie, cartoon, or commercial into my top 10 things of all time if it has that dun dun. Yeah. Dun 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 dun. That subplot with Maggie could have been a short film. Yes. If you, if you cut out the rest of the episode, yeah. and play it, in- it would have been perfect for like Pixar when they do their little five minute shorts like prior to one of their major releases every year. Have you not seen the one that they released a few years ago? It's one of my trivia questions. Oh. Should I, should I get, into, should we get into the trivia? Uh, yes, we'll get into trivia And then tidbits I've got tidbits yeah, galore for Beautiful, this episode. sounds good Alright, so my first question I've got four How many you got for this uh, week? I've just got the couple Just got the couple I'll start off then What are the name of the Krusty brand TV dinners that much? Uh, no idea Slender Vittles Makes no sense to me But that's what they're called Is a Vittle like a morsel or something like mm-hmm. that? I, I googled it I feel like I've heard the word Vittle before Yeah, so do I Maybe I'm thinking of Sebastian Skittles Sebastian Vittle <laughs> F1 One of the tiniest drivers Um in the uh, Miss Universe, pa- or the Miss American Girl pageant, what was Miss Texas wearing? I oh, know, I know one of them was wearing a racetrack. Uh, that was Indi- okay. uh, Miss Indianapolis. Uh, I- Indiana? Indiana, sorry. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> um, no, Miss Texas was wearing a big oil rig on her ah, head. Ah, okay. Spurting oil, I believe. It had like a little pneumatic pump. Yep. What is the name of Meryl Streep's perfume? Oh, um, versatility. Yes, that is correct. Perfect. Yeah. And... Oh, the Krusty Doll. What are the two sayings that the Krusty Doll that Maggie uses during her dummy bust-out operation? Um, something to do with fire. Mm-hmm. I'm fire retarded. Uh, I'm flame retarded. Flame yes. retarded. Hey, and kids, I'm flame retarded. If I break by a new one? Uh, like yes, 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 yes. Um, well done. Uh, what is Maggie allergic to, according to Marge? Penicillin? No, nah, she explains explains this to... Uh, what's the... the the boss of the uh, center? That would have been a good question. His sister. It's Miss, L- Llewellyn's um, sister, anyway. Miss something or other. Uh, strained pears. Sinclair, Mrs. Sinclair. Yeah, Sinclair. Strained pears. Strained pears. And finally, in 2012, as I said before, The Simpsons released a short film starring Maggie at, is it Ayn Rand? A-Y-N. How do you pronounce Ayn, the school? Ayn? Ayn Rand. Ayn anyway, Rand? I'm not exactly sure. School Named f- after the author of The, the Fountainhead. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. School for Tots. What's it called? The short film. 
You never knew it existed. No, so you I didn't know, know it existed. It's just called the longest daycare. Okay. Uh, and it's really bad. good. And that's it's a really little play good. on the war movie. Yeah, yeah, it's really really good. But yeah, as, as we we're going back, going back to our thoughts on the episode, that was the only subplot that I can remember. That if you cut out the rest of the episode, it just makes a movie. Hmm. There's nothing there that it sort of time passes, but it, it could easily flow and it continue just, on. Yeah, and I just thought it was really really funny. It was a bit far fetched that Maggie and the babies were able to do all this stuff, but yep. it was just funny. It suited the episode. Mm. Hey, for fans of the DVD of this episode, by the way, John Lovitz is a guest on the commentary. Really? Yeah. Oh, I have to go back and watch that. He doesn't that. contribute a hell of a lot, but what he does say is pretty funny. I think like, he's even just got a it, voice, hasn't when he? When it goes from Act 1 to Act 2 and it kind of fades to black and then comes back up, uh, it, like all he'd done so far is introduce himself and say, I'm John Lovitz, and then he's quiet for the next five or six minutes, and then it fades back up from black, and you just hear this... Hey, what happened in the commercials? Yeah, <laughs> then just, that's it. You don't hear me again for say stuff like, "Look at my hair." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're laughing. You know what I mean? He's just one of those people. They were joking around that he only did it because he got to keep the wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> this, Hank Hank Azari is also on it. Very rare rare appearance oh, from him. Okay, mm. which is the one that has John Swartzwelder? I can't quite remember. He's on, he's on um, one of them. the one where they call him. They call him up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. So, let's get into some facts. Do you want to do your tidbits first, then? All right, I will. So, I don't ruin some of yours in case I've already got them. Okay. Um, your, this is your episode. I'm going to let you keep this train on tracks. Okay, well, the idea of Marge being cast in a local theatre production of Streetcar Named Desire came from Jim Brooks. Mm-hmm. The original pitch was that Homer would join community theatre, but James kind of took that, ran with it, and then realised that you'd get more of an emotional centre by putting Marge in there. And then you, he pitched basically the entire emotional through line of the episode, proving once again that all the good ideas about The Simpsons came from James L. Brooks. Did you mention what play Homer was going to be in? Oh, 1776. No. It's pitched by Jeff Martin. Okay. The opening number upset a lot of New Orleans residents and mm. officials. This is something that's probably pretty commonly known these days. Um, but did you know it had nothing to do with making fun of New Orleans? They were actually parodying the beginning of Sweeney Todd. Oh, I haven't seen Sweeney Todd. So does right. it, is, is it sound the same, the song? Or um, what, what's, what's the more, similarities? More the vibe. So in Sweeney, the opening number about Sweeney Todd is a song that really talks about what an awful place London is. Okay. Um, some of the lyrics are, there's a hole in the world like a great black pit and the vermin of the world inhabit it and its morals aren't worth what a pig can spit and it goes by the name of London. Um, so that's pretty much all he was trying to do. He just wrote a silly song, paying out in Orleans. Um, but they, the Simpsons actually got pulled off the air in New Orleans for a couple of weeks over all of this. Really? Like it, it, it was turned into a fairly full-blown thing. So then the following episode, for everywhere else in the country, they rushed in an animation of art. I will not defame New Orleans on the board. There was actually a pretty funny thing about how the... There was like a Mardi Gras. There, I think there was legitimately going to be a Mardi Gras in New Orleans a few weeks later or something. And someone that was running that show had called them. And the, like the Simpsons, Bart, there was going to be an appearance by Bart at this Mardi Gras. And someone's called. It was like, you know, when that Bart character comes down here, we're going to kill him. And they're like, well, it's not going to be Bart. It's going to be a midget in a costume. I'm like, yeah. Well, we're going to kill him then. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> Apparently, the lyrics for the song were released in a newspaper in New Orleans before it went to yeah, air. Yeah, yeah, because they, they, this was one of the episodes that they put out to a lot of reviewers and critics. So, they, he just printed the lyrics with no context whatsoever, yeah. and, and that was kind of what pissed them all off. Now, the reason that it was turned into a musical, because I always thought it was hilarious that they would do this musical adaptation of this. I thought it was a, a big comment on so much local theatre is done as musicals. But it was actually because Tennessee Williams Estate wouldn't allow them to use large sections of the script. That's why there's only a couple lines that are from the play itself. Is it, just before you continue, is that why when Marge says, 
she's going to say the title of the play. Homer interrupts her before she finishes the full title. Uh, that could have so- had something to do with it because it is copyrighted. Like, Streetcar Named Desire is under copyright. Because I'm, I'm going to do a streetcar name and he goes, oh, if you had told me that, I would have already known. Yeah. That that very well could be... That would make a lot of sense. Okay, yeah. The Miss Universe contestant that speaks the form, former winner yeah. of Miss uh, of Miss American Girl, rather, was an assistant on the show who actually came runner-up at a Miss Universe. Oh, wow. Well. Uh, this is the episode that has the first mention of Apu's last name. Oh, that's why the, the joke's funny. Mm-hmm. He's called I Play Steve. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't actually end up playing Steve. And the final thing, the original name that they had, rather than going with the streetcar named, um, oh, sorry, O Streetcar for the name of the play, was going to be Hello Trolley. Uh, play on okay. Hello Dolly. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, well, which, hello. which I could understand going over the head of a lot of different people, but personally, I would have loved that. Well, I've got a couple of facts here that you didn't mention. Obviously, it's one of Matt Groening's favourite episodes still to this day. And it says here that a number of scenes that appeared in the storyboard and animatic were reordered or dropped altogether in the final version of the episode. Much of the Maggie subplot, for example, was modified before the episode actually went to air. Mm. A scene in which the babies locked Miss Sinclair in her office is missing from the final version of the episode. So I'm like assuming, the borrowers. Yes, I'm assuming that would have been maybe when at the end. So that's why she wasn't taking all the pacifiers off him because she was locked in her office. Yeah, that, yeah, that could have worked. Yeah, like as in like that would be where that would have fit into the story. Yeah, because I was thinking that I'm like, well, they got all the pacifiers. Mm. Why isn't the teacher taking it off of him? Mm. Where is the teacher? Do you know the movie that they were referencing the birds. there? By the way, yes, that's the why birds. Hitchcock walked past. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Also, it's it's specifically Alfred Hitchcock's cameo appearance from it's the actually, birds. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> actually him. Yeah. So uh, before we get into the full review, I just want to mention too, the thing that I didn't like about the fact that the, like Marge is great in the play, right? Mm. Now, what, the play the play was really well done. It was funny. Mm. It had Did everything. Julie get nominated for an Emmy for this episode? She probably should I have. I didn't see that, but she possibly may have. Congratulations to the um, Simpsons Animators for winning an Emmy. Mm. Well done, guys. Marge is so good in this play. It's one of those things. I don't like it when they get a character to be so good at something and then not go back to it. Like If she was so good in this play, why would she not continue doing it? It's only community theatre. But she was still she was really good. Yeah. She just goes back to being a housewife the next week. That's kind of the way community theatre works. People got bills to pay. Uh, okay. You can only do it a little bit. Pretty well done for a community play. It was. Flying around, the flying around in the lasers. Even though it was just mowing Barney. Smoke <laughs> machines. <laughs> and also, too, I just wanted to mention, I thought it was a really good, just a really good Marge episode. Mm. I think this, to this date, this is my favourite Marge episode. It's definitely, and it's got a lot of my favourite moments from it. But the the scene in particular though, that I really loved about Julia was, I and mean, we'll get to it, it's when she's on the phone to Homer yeah. after the audition. She's so downtrodden. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, that's what I think they do really well in this episode is they make you feel sorry for Marge. You felt sorry for Marge in Homer alone when she mm. was going crazy, but here you just feel genuine sympathy in the fact that she has no shoulder to rest her head on. Yeah. Like, no one's listening to her. No one cares about her feelings. I felt so sorry for Marge, particularly in that scene that you just mentioned. Yeah. So, time for the full review. So, it kicks off with the Miss American Girl pageant. Um, they're talking about Meryl Streep's versatility perfume, smell like Streep for cheap. We get Phil Hartman without doing the... like you. Sorry, as Troy McClure, McClure yeah. without doing the You Might Remember Me From. This is usually something that Krusty would be hosting, isn't it? Yeah. Not Troy McClure. Yeah. Yeah, but it was just nice to get a Troy McClure appearance in there. Uh, Marge walks in, tells the family that she's auditioning for the play, and none of them are listening, and you just instantly feel sorry for her. Like, mm. no one cares. Or not that they don't care, they're just not showing any interest. Homer does say that he doesn't care, mm. but I don't think Bart and Lisa were deliberately not caring. They were just, just not weren't listening. They're, yeah. they're not used to having to give a shit about what, what Marge is doing. Yeah. Um, later in the night, um, they're introducing the judging panel. I thought this was funny. The totem black judge. Token black. Token black Dredric, judge. <laughs> Dredric Tatum. Skincare consultant, Rowena. Yeah. And the fashion guy. <laughs> My favorite like panel like that, I think, is on 
the some of the early seasons of So You Think You Can Dance, the American version. I never watched like, it. Like well, there was just people that I, I suppose in the dance community they're big names, but like you watch it as me, I'm like, oh fuck are these people, but they're just so cocky about everything that they have to say just because they're on the judging table. Well, that last guy reminded me of something like what Joan Rivers would say mm. on the red carpet, just taking piss out of someone's clothes. Yeah, yeah. I think what did you take piss out of? Goldie Horns. Yeah. So yeah. cheerleading was back in the 30 years ago or something. Yeah. Anyway, it was funny. Then Bart sneaks in a bitch line. He's such a bitch. Marge is still trying to get their attention. Still no one's listening. I thought it was really sad when she goes, I think it's a chance for me to meet other adults. I'm like, that's really sad. Yeah. Like, you don't really look at it that Marge is stuck with Maggie by herself in the house all the time. There's probably millions of housewives out there that are in this situation. They just want to... Make friends. Mm. It's just. It's. I thought it was a really, really sad, but really true Marge line. I loved Homer through it all, though. What was Sounds interesting. Oh, you're not paying any attention <laughs> yet. <laughs> so then Marge leaves, and she practices a singing. Homer tells her to shut up and be quiet. Mm. Then Maggie starts playing the. What, what tune what? is it? Yeah, oh, I couldn't recognize it. I think it's Beethoven. It's Beethoven something. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I just. I didn't know. I felt so it's uncultured. Something, it's something famous. And mm, Homer, yeah, just, it's instantly recognizable. And I haven't done one of those gags for a long time where Maggie shows intelligence and they yeah, don't it has been to a it. while. Yeah, like the E like equals e MC equals squared. squared, yeah, stuff like that. So then Marge leaves for the audition, and Homer's like, first I've heard about it, <laughs> which I thought was was funny. But you can tell at this point in time they're setting up Homer being the dick of the episode. Yeah, you know, but the kids chime in with it. Like I think I'd remember kids, no, mum, and then like it was very unLisa. Again, it shows just how introverted Marge is that she starts to doubt herself and think, well, maybe that, that I didn't. And that she was walks really well out written. hunched over and think, and like, yeah, it, it, it was a brilliant setup for her emotional arc. Yeah, they, they make her feel like she has to apologize for something that she knows she didn't even do. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I feel really, really bad for this woman. But I didn't like Lisa here because in the following scenes, when Lisa finds out that Marge is auditioning for the play, she's like, oh, my mum, the actress, blah, blah, yeah. blah. But here she doesn't show any interest in it at all when she just finds out that Marge is auditioning. Mm. Just doesn't flow properly to me. She's just been a kid distracted by TV, I suppose. Yeah, I guess. So they go to the audition. I love how flexible Jasper is. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> just warm, warming up in a, like a unitard in the background. No, he doesn't say anything. He's just, he's just warming <laughs> up. It was just great. Uh, Ned says he's played Blanche in the past. Yeah, one of the benefits of going to a normal boy, school. Yeah, old boy school. Then Llewellyn Sinclair enters, and I'll let you elaborate here. Uh, it's so great. This is like this is the best that jo- thing that John Lovitz has ever done, I think. You make this character? It's up there. It's. Uh, is, I know you love is Lombardi. Is the character supposed to be gay or just feminine? I think just f- for maybe a bit of both. I mean, community theatre. I don't think he likes boobs. There's always an element of of the homosexual in the community yeah. theatre group. Um, that's why so many people have assumed that I'm gay over the years. That and, <laughs> assumed. All, of, that and all of the sex that I have with men. <laughs> um, but I love his, his opening salvo. Hello, I am Lou Ellen Sinclair. I have directed three plays in my career and I've had three heart attacks. That's how much I care I'm planning for a fourth. And then he pulls out the review of it like... A, the, the great reveal joke about yeah. like you know um, I've been known to bring people uh, to tears that's right. was I being too harsh on fourth graders <laughs> the reviews suggest not play enjoyed by all <laughs> <laughs> so then he's casting Stan he's making everyone take their shirts off and he's just walking past judging everybody I love that yeah like Ned gets picked based purely because he has a good body this is the first time I've seen Ned with a good body mm. I think it is yeah and it's sort of it's sh- because, because we know he's got a good body now, but at first you would have been like, It's pretty funny. Yeah, it's just it's a funny reveal. Uh, Marge gets shut down immediately and you feel sorry for her because she doesn't even get a word out. She's just, she just gets, Wah! Yeah, and she's <laughs> shut down. I really love that. 
It was not even not even a full la. No. Didn't even get as much as she got on the piano before Homer shut her down. And let's be honest, Marge... Terrible singing voice. I hate the singing voice. Yeah. And no matter what she's doing, whatever episode it is, she cannot sing at all. But she plays the depressed part well. As we mm. said, you were talking about I the still, phone. I still like her in... Um, oh, yeah, Homer's Odyssey. Homer's Odyssey, yeah. yeah. Drink, boys, and pour the wine. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about your phone scene that you love the most. So it's after she gets rejected, she... Um, Wait, well, we've Homer's got, calling up saying, "I want chicken on the way home. Get me chicken." Yeah, well, yeah, well, but, well, she calls home. Oh, she's called to tell him that she, she calls get it, it, yeah, to yeah. tell him that she didn't get the job. He's like, "No, I didn't get the part." Yeah, you were right. Yeah, I'll get some chicken on the way home. Outside interests are a bad idea, or something like that. And he's yeah, like, oh, yeah, man. and she's just like kind of twirling the phone cord, and she's so depressed. And then Llewellyn, this is after he's telling all these girls, "You don't understand." She's downtrodden. She's got, and then like. It sort of picks up on what she's saying well, and the way she's say, acting. This play is, and then he hears her. Yeah, and then just grabbing the phone and stop bothering my Blanche. Hangs <laughs> <laughs> up on it. Great way to go to commercial. Yeah. So we come back, and then now Lisa's finally proud that Marge is going to be in the uh, play. Yeah. But asks a question. I can't quite remember what it was. But then Homer says, "Stop asking stupid questions." It's going to be any frontal nudity in this, Marge? No, Homer. No. Do you remember I, that scene? I missed that actually. Oh, okay. I was at the, was at the end of the yeah, okay. table scene. Yeah. So then it cuts to the cast introducing themselves, and these were all funny. The, uh, the yeah, the round table basically going around like, my name is Otto. I'm playing Pablo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I was watching this, I thought this was going to be the part where he goes, "I like to get blotto." Yeah. I'm pretty sure he says it in an episode, doesn't he? I'm uh, Otto, and I like to get blotto. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, that's in the Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, is that it? Um, okay. Where they're I know he says it, he says yeah. it just like that as well. Yeah, but it's the exact same delivery, just different words. A Puna has a pimp pet along. Yeah. I play Steve. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently he doesn't Line play Steve. Line of attorney at law. I'm representing all of the people that weren't selected. I also play Mitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then... Fun fact, Mitch tries to rape Blanche in the actual play. There we go. Oh. Maybe not so much fun fact. That is not a fun fact just, at all, no. just, just have that little... Startling fact. Have that little image <laughs> and take it. That's the early sort of forward sell as to why I've always depended on the kindness of strangers will just fuck with your head. Yes. Mm. Now, the only thing that bothered me about this, these people don't know each other already. It's Helen Lovejoy. Oh, yeah, but have you never done that thing like it's just as an exercise where like it happens for me at work all the time where I'll go to a meeting and there might be two people in the room that I don't know and everyone be, in this room knows each other. Yeah, honestly. but the person that's running the room doesn't. So he'll be like, all right, everyone introduce yourourselves. And it's just his way. Oh, okay, so it. you're introducing yourself to the teacher as yeah. opposed to everyone yeah, in the they, room. Yeah, they picture it as though you're doing it to the group, but it's, yeah. Yeah. So then Marge has prepared some peanut butter snacks or something. I'm not so mm, sure. But some, something along those lines. Does anyone want to taste a bite of banality? Banality. <laughs> <laughs> then Marge and then practicing their scene, the smashing the bottle scene. Mm. Uh, he, uh, when, he th- when he throws Marge onto the bed, I couldn't quite remember whether Marge ends up falling not falling in love with Ned but feeling some sort of connection because Homer's not showing her any affection because ah. the way he throws her on the bench she's like Ooh, I think uh, it's just surprise and shock I, yeah I know but I did, couldn't quite remember I'm like does this lead to somewhere I wasn't quite sure but if you were watching this for the first time there's for good reason you could have thought that you could have thought that because he was time, a yeah. muscly man thrown onto the bed mm, virile yeah <laughs> and then Maggie interferes obviously mm. and takes his glasses off and he's like oh how cute Hand, uh, Llewellyn hands Marge the daycare centre yep uh, card now does Maggie stay at the daycare full time, or she just there during the night? Like, because Marge goes there at night. I don't understand. When is Maggie at this daycare center? That's true. Well, she's there during the day. And why can't she just leave at home? Because it's sunny. Maybe Marge has to drop her off there before Homer gets home from work. So there's like a crossover period. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that, that that explains it, I guess. 
But Marge, I don't have children or daycare in my life, yeah, so yeah. I don't, I don't know how it works. So then Marge takes Maggie. I to- presume it's like a boarding school. Yeah, you just you leave them there and you pick them up when they're nine. <laughs> <laughs> So Marge takes it to the daycare centre and we get introduced to we'll just call her Ms. Sinclair. I can't remember her first name. I'm pretty name. sure it's is it Miss or Mrs.? I think it's Mrs. You see her Ms. you see her name when Maggie uh, parasails down. Well, yeah. Not parasails, abseils down on the I didn't realise John Lovett did her voice as well. Yeah, just yeah. doing his own voice. Is it is it is it his voice though? It's pretty close. It's a little bit feminine. slightly yeah, yeah. slightly feminine up. She says the bottles aren't allowed. She tries to what, what, No pacifiers. No pacifiers. She's just really, really strict. Marge doesn't mm. quite agree, but since they're the only daycare center that's not being investigated, she agrees to leave yep. Maggie there. You know, I I looked up a lot of Ayn Rand philosophy, by the way, to try and see if there's anything in there that the show's writers were parodying. I can't find what the connection is outside of the fact that it's just named Ayn Rand School for Tots. I so would, I anyone out there Please, you know, let us know. Write in. Tell me what I'm missing. Because I, I, I've poured through an unbelievable amount of socialist material. And to the point that I feel like I'm possibly on a government list now. <laughs> Someone's going to think I'm trying to overthrow the country. <laughs> well, you are. Yeah. But, you tried, failed. Yeah, but, but, not, but not through Ayn Rand philosophy. <laughs> uh, Marge, back at margin... Um, Ned practicing the scene again without Maggie interfering. Marge mm. just simply cannot act powerfully enough. N- Ned goes, now, I'd hate to be an armchair, Blanche. Yeah, I love that. That was <laughs> very, very cool. It's funny. It, uh, after I watched it the second time, I was like, oh, of course, because he used to play Blanche. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, it's just really well done. And Sinclair, I've just got it, Sinclair is a drama queen. Mm. <laughs> just the way he reacts because Marge can't do it. You know, Mrs. Simpson, if you set out to push the bile to the tip of my throat, mission accomplished. I'm a... I'm going to crawl in the bed with a bottle of amaretto. Good day. Everything's just like, John Lovitz. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's a perfect character played by John Lovitz. Homer's not willing to help Marge with her lines whilst they're in bed. Playing a Game Boy. Is it a Game Boy? Or is it one of those things that had like the... Pretty blatantly a Game Boy. Like it had the... It looked like a Game Boy. It had the square directional button. And it had the bowling game in the back, It had the A and the B. And yeah, it had the cartridge from behind. I was yeah. trying to think like, it's really rare that you would see a console so directly representative of what's in real life. In not instance. anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. Like they have iPads and everything now. Yeah, now you do. But back then, like that would that never happened. Like whenever Bart's playing video games, it was either at the arcade a joystick. or it'd be a generic kind of joystick Atari style, but like but not really ever alluding to the fact that that's what it was. Yeah. Whereas this was clear as day he's playing a Game Boy. Well, I, what are you going to do about it? I was excited. I wanted <laughs> I was excited. I wanted to try and track down <laughs> that's some a, That's a fucking Game Boy. I wanted to try and track down some Tempin bowling games that I didn't know about on Game Boy. Um, but Homer's just being an absolute dicky. He's not willing to help Marge at all. The Game Boy had commentary as well actually. That doesn't happen often. Yeah. 7. They used 10, to have s- split because Game Boy is just like They used to have sound. Was it even two Was it even 8-bit sound though? Well, I've played I've got Super Mario and mine's got do 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 mm. do do yeah. It's got the music. That was pretty much all you all you had from it. Yeah. Mm. Or have you died? Yeah, there was certainly no talking. No, no talking at all. No, no. Uh, I think Homer says here, uh, whilst you're busy in your world, you'll see that others have problems too. Because he got a 7-10 split. split. Yeah, yeah. It's just (laughs) very unfair. Very, very bad person. But I feel they went a little... I know it's to fit the story because Mm. they want to sort of compare. Do you want to actually explain to the listeners who haven't seen A Streetcar Named Desire... What the, what the similarities are what here. The similarities what similarities are going sure. for with Marge and Homer. So basically, in, in the plays, you've got Blanche Dubois, who, uh, who's a widower. She can't, moves in with her sister-in-law and Stanley, 
uh, Kowalski. Now, in the movie, which is going to be the version most people these days would be familiar with, Stanley Kowalski's play about Marlon Brando, um, is a very famous Stella moment. Smithers! <laughs> yes, or, or in this episode, <laughs> March! Yeah. And the, the acting, the animation of him just going, it's so good. Yeah. Now, Stanley's basically just your, your atypical alpha male kind of brutal, chauvinistic, chauvinistic macho pig. Um, Bitch. Hey? You. Oh, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I'm as powerful as Marlon Brando. You walk in and say, stop. Anyway, throughout the course of the play, Blanche, um, through some card nights, ends up meeting one of his buddies who's named Mitch. They kind of hit it off. They think that everything's going well. Stanley feels she, he doesn't know the ins and outs of what's happened with her husband, um, the you know, her, her widowed. Widowed? No. The, her anyway, dead husband. Her, de- her deceased husband. Her late husband. Yeah. He's worried that they might be some sort of inheritance that they've missed out on. So he starts digging up the backstory of her life and that sort of stuff. Anyway, her and Mitch, uh, they kind of fall in love. They, they're hitting it off. She confides in him that the guy died. She um, found out that her husband had had an affair with an older gentleman. Uh, when confronted with it, her husband committed suicide. So in a way, she kind of feels directly responsible for the fact that her husband died. Stanley finds out all these sorts of things and starts spreading these rumours about her, about how she had to leave because she was a teacher and had had an affair with a student. She was staying at a hotel that was known for a lot of prostitutes staying there, all that sort of stuff. He tells Mitch, who in not a very compassionate way, freaks out about it and then tries to... Tells her that the wedding's off. She first says that they're all rumours and then admits to the fact that they were true. He says that the wedding's off. He then tries to sexually assault her or rape her. She screams fire and runs away, kind of enough to create a diversion. There's a moment later on where Stanley then, it's it's not, doesn't happen in the play, but it heavily implies that Stanley does end up raping her, um, his sister-in-law, classy guy that he how's is. This, and how is this all tied into the Simpsons episode? Uh, well, we'll come to the themes. This is just the yeah. plot. Okay. <laughs> um, then she ends up having a complete mental breakdown and getting shipped off to a to an insane asylum. So the the overall themes is is that that like Homer is being Homer is representative of Stanley without the ultimate extreme of being sexually abusive her, yeah. or physically abusive, but being emotionally abusive and just sort of it's it's also it's a combination of the way Stanley treats Blanche, but also the way he treats his own wife in the movie and. Marge's kind of an amalgamation of those two characters of being this really downtrodden woman with virtually no rights and, and no power to be able to speak out and speak up. Where the Simpsons take a happier path is by allowing the two to come together at the end rather than have Marge go off to a mental institution. So, for those of you that didn't know Street Cannon Desire, that's the whole movie. That's that's it. That's the whole in play. a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. So and there's then, some bowling in there. So then we cut to Maggie, who is missing her dummy at the daycare centre. And did you notice that she picks up a Bart Simpson doll? And yeah, I was going to point that out. Yeah, it's really, really <laughs> She's cool. going through a whole bunch of dummy like or pacifier replacements. Yeah, yeah. And then we cue the great escape parody. And it's just the music. If you put that music behind Soon anything, like in. you said, it's just great. You know they actually got an orchestra to come in and record it? Yeah, and apparently Alf Clawson was like, this is amazing, mm. watching the Simpsons Orchestra do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Maggie eventually gets caught. We don't have to explain the scene. Everyone's seen the scene. Everyone's seen yep. the scene, yeah. Maggie gets caught. She gets sent to the box. I thought it was great. The kid we've throws got the ball. S- we've got a place for babies like you. The box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> throws the ball, catches it. As Did you notice in the animation that the ball bounces off her forehead? No. Every time. She throws it into the net and it sort of bounces off her forehead before landing back into her hands. No, I didn't notice that. No. But yeah, as I said, it's a bit over the top, a bit ridiculous that babies could do all this, but it's just really It's just fun. funny. And it's so the, great. The best part about it is it doesn't require any dialogue. Mm. Like Obviously, she says, you go into the box. 
but for the majority of that scene, and it's the, nothing. The no, whole, the it's whole, like two pages. The of whole stage daycare direction. part doesn't require any dialogue. Mm. It's one of the one of the best scenes involving Megan they've ever done, I believe. So then, Marge is still having trouble with the scene. She just can't bring herself to smash the bottle. She says, "This is such a Marge line." Couldn't she just take his abuse with gentle good humor? That is sad. Yeah. That's the words of an abused wife. Mm. Doesn't even mean physically abused, but she's just emotionally, emotionally abused. abused. Yeah. I like the fact that Marge got this role by being all like being herself, being all of the inequalities of what he wanted to see in this character. But then she can't separate herself from herself to be able to become the other side of the yeah. character. But when she's being herself, she is Blanche. Yeah. Yeah. So when she, she just can't tap into that anger yeah. until she kind of gets all method and starts provisioning Homer on the stage. That, that, when she said that scene, though, about the um, taking of gentle good humor, the abuse, it reminded me of when she was telling Lisa, you know, as a woman, you just got to suck it in and just accept yeah. it. Yep. I think it was Moaning Lisa that episode, I believe, in the car mm. or something like that. Uh, as we said then, Homer interrupts and Marge uses that rage. She channels that rage to find her inner Blanche and she mm. goes ballistic. Before that, you get this really good shot of um, Llewellyn talking to Marge about how trying to explain to her about why she needs to bring that rage out, about how this man is and you see Homer in the crushing you, he's destroying your spirit, and you've got Homer in the background trying to get candy. All of his, and then uh, Llewellyn's like, here! And he throws a change on the yeah. floor. Ooh, there's some quarters in here. <laughs> it's just like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I love the... Um, here's where the Simpsons managed to take it all, and get it a lot lighter, by the way, that like in, in the movie, it's a case of Stanley trying to commit sexual assault, that being Simpsonized into a musical. You're a dame and I'm a fella. Stanley, stop or I'll tell Stella. Yeah. Uh, So, so Homer's being over annoying. I love the way he charges at the um, candy machine. Fly kicks it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll meet you in the car, but then he's just honking the horn and there's nothing more annoying than when your partner is honking the horn at the front telling you to hurry up. Mm. Oh, it just drives me insane. Drives me insane. I won't get into it because I'll get in trouble because Nicholas has been started listening to the podcast. Oh, dear. So, cut to the commercial. Come back. And Marge is staying in character over the dinner table. She's keep, she wants to make sure she can speak properly. Yeah. Lisa and Bart start copying her. Homer's like, what the fuck's going on here? Living in a cuckoo clock. Living in a cuckoo clock. I love that Bart just goes Cockney English. Yeah, what the hell? What was with that? I, I, I feel like maybe it's one of the... I don't know. He does Cockney a couple times. Maybe yeah. it's just in Nancy Nancy's Cartwright's does it well. wheel, wheelhouse yeah. to be able to do. But I love... I love Lisa joining in and asking Homer, um, what was it? Big Daddy, will you pass me some brisket? I like Homer, salt me. Yeah. <laughs> so Marge goes to practice with Ned and Homer says, well, who's going to serve me my dessert? Pull best the lid off your own damn pudding. Best line of the episode. Yeah. You can pull the lid off your own damn can of pudding. He does it. Yeah. The ring snaps. <laughs> yeah. Pull the lid off my own pudding, you say. Just let the fear in his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My pudding's trapped. <laughs> and then he goes to interrupt them again. And that's where we get another streetcar parody. Yes. Uh, this is when he's out the front just screaming, Marge! Marge! Yep. It's an oft-parodied moment in movie history. A lot of things, yeah, yeah. Is this bit here, by the way, where the let's not and say we did quote comes from? Where's like, is it in general? So, she says, let's let's do the bottle scene again. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then Flanders, still with a little bit of blood coming through, yeah. from the, is like, let's not and say we did. Yeah. Is that the origination of Let's Not and Say We Did? I have no idea. Because, like, you know, I, that's something that would get used all the time. Like, you know, we're going to go for a 5K run, guys. Uh, let's Not and Say We Did. Yeah, I don't think I've ever used that line, but I can remember people saying it. Mm. So it's not a line that I use very often, but I... Yeah, maybe. Mm. I, I, it was I, a little I bit of a light bulb moment for yeah, me. I don't know whether the Simpsons come up with lines like that. They may have. Write us in and let us know if you know. Mm. Mailbag at 4 
So then it cuts back to Marge and Homer in bed and Homer's just still not being supportive at all. He actually says here that because I don't care. Yeah. And I'm like, at least you're being I'm honest. An, I'm an expert in like, faking well, interest. Yeah, well, why aren't you showing interest? Because I don't care. At le- I'm like, at least he's being honest. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm an expert at faking interest in your kooky projects. And I'm like, oh, you are in deep shit yeah. now. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you are in trouble. Yeah, that's a step too far. <laughs> and Marge just really cracks it with him. I, I love the line. And again, this is, this is really funny if you've seen the movie. Like, there's not a, like there's nothing about bowling. Oh wait, there is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not much of it. I, I didn't like though that when he says he starts listing all the things that she's done in the past, like the painting class and stuff. Mm. It's kind of sort the of first aid. It gives off the vibe that anything you do means nothing. Like you're not important. Well, I do, I do like the end of that scene though. Well, like I think her line is why? Did, well, why have you never told me this? Like you know, I'd never do anything to hurt your feelings. <laughs> Good night. I didn't even pick up on that yeah. one. Yeah, that's. I was wondering how they ended that scene because yeah. yeah. So then we cut to Maggie and the babies once again. So mm-hmm. what time is it? You never see Maggie with the family after Marge drops her off. That's why I'm thinking: does she stay there full time? Maggie does not appear. Well, Homer picks her up on the way to the thing, so I reckon she drops Maggie off at about four. It's like an after-school daycare. And thing. I guess if you take Maggie out of it, it sort of kills the vibe of that she's trapped. Yeah. Because when she's at home, she would obviously get a pacifier. Yeah, exactly back. right. Yeah. 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 So Maggie and the babies are planning the, the ultimate escape to get the pacifiers. They've got to unlock them without the uh, Miss Miss Sinclair, Sinclair from knowing. And this is it's a bit cartoonish I've got here, but it's just hilarious the way Maggie you know sneaks through the vent and she she must be Miss or Misses because they've both got the same surname. Sorry, just occurred to me. I know it's Miss. I just didn't want to correct yeah. you. Okay, well you should. have. You're very adamant. You're like it's Misses. I'm like fine. I didn't say it fine. was. I said I thought fine. it was. <laughs> that doesn't matter. Now when the milk bottle smashes. I remember thinking, well, shouldn't the teacher just immediately race to see what the babies are doing? But as we said, they cut out the scene where she was locked in the room. Yep. So that explains why she never actually went out there. Got here. No dialogue was needed for this at all. It was just hilarious. The yep. animation, just brilliant. Before I knew that it was a parody of the birds when I was younger, I always thought it was creepy. Oh, 100%. So still creepy now. Yeah. Uh, it's like they must have just got one, like got that sound once and then just like multiplied it by like 100. It would have sucked being the animator for that. Yeah. Um, Pun not intended. Before control C, control B. I love Homer. Just, oh, babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, I remember I, when he said that, I was like, why does he like babies? Because no. I'm used to him going, oh, oh yeah, right. I'm like, with you. That makes no sense, but yeah, he's actually creeped out. Then obviously we get Alfred Hitchcock walking past doing mm-hmm. his, what's the word, the cameo, cameo. from the birds. From the bird. yeah. birds. And then we get to the play. Now, go for it. I'll let you do it. Well, we just get the montage, basically. So it's we'll get the pre-show pep talk. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Perhaps we are all a little mad, we who don the captain bells and tread beneath the proscenium arch. But tonight, you will all be transformed from dead-eyed suburbanites into white-hot grease fires of pure entertainment. Builds them all up amazingly. It's like, except you, you're not working out. I'll be playing your part. <laughs> Drag. <laughs> this is the first time it's happened to Otto, but it happens... Um. In Team Homer, they kick Otto out of the team. Yeah, the that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, so continue with the play. It starts off with New Orleans, or starts off with Wiggum. Start, yeah, Wiggum with his um, it's really good Wiggum singing from Azaria. Yeah. Long before the Superdome, where the Saints of Football played, lived a city that the damned call home. Here they're hellish, Rondelay. Like, you can understand why, just in text, people might have got a little bit annoyed about that song. For the people that want to, were interested in the full lyrics, it's uh, New Orleans, home of pirates, drunks and whores, New Orleans, 
uh, tacky overpriced souvenir stalls if you want to go to hell you should take the trip to the Sodom and Gomorrah on the Mississippi New Orleans people that might think I was reading that from lyrics no well I never know the power of radio <laughs> what was the next so we have the New Orleans song and then we've got uh, him, Marge him kissing a poo, her kissing a poo yeah so Blanche's character arriving in town and talking to the paper boy like, come here I want to kiss you just once on the mouth. I'm like, if I was home, I'd be furious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, community theatre is so dangerous for that. Yeah. Like one of the first things that I've had to do, I had to kiss and kind of be all over a girl who just had like two weeks earlier started a new relationship. Ugh. Like third night of the run, boyfriend's in the fucking second row of the audience. Yeah, that's not cool. Mm. It just could you watch Ash do that? Watch her do it? I think without I'm, feeling a little bit of un- being uncomfortable. No, I think only because of the fact that I have done it myself. And I understand that there is no connection felt whatsoever. Like, it's it's this weird thing when you have to kiss someone on stage that it's like, you know, it, it's just like any other stage direction. Don't, you don't, like, don't, so don't I, males go for the bottom lip and girls go to the top or something? No, nah, you just, just, just go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, it's in your head. It's like, okay, so I enter stage right. I walk down five steps. I say my opening line. I walk over there. I put down my coat. I give her a kiss. And then I walk off to the bit, the back bit there. And then I've got to be off backstage for a costume change in 30 seconds. Like it's, it, it, it's just a process. You don't think in any way or feel any real, doesn't feel like a normal kiss. But have sense. you ever done it when there's a girl and you're like, she's hot. I'm glad I'm kissing her. I, I wasn't upset about people that have had to kiss <laughs> on stage. No, not so much hot. Continue. I don't know. I don't know if, I don't, Ash is listening. Continue. I don't know who does it. I, well, I don't know if they listen to this podcast or not. Who? The, the, the girl, any girls that I might have ah, kissed on stage before. I, you know, you're all nice. Let's work again sometime. They're kind. <laughs> Getting back to the play. So, we've got the... She kisses a poo. Poo's like, woohoo. It's, it's all was, hot in here all of a sudden. <laughs> was that there? Because a poo wasn't expected to actually be kissed by Marshall. Was that a reaction uh, outside of the play? Or was that how he reacted? No, I think to the it's play? supposed to be in the play. It's just uh, okay. silly out of character. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get the th- the final song and dance that, that you wanted to explain why it's there's something. Uh, yeah. Okay. It. So, it, it, so her line. Um, I've always depended on the kindness of strangers, and then everyone comes in with you can always depend on the yeah. kindness of strangers. So in the actual movie she's been taken away to the mental institution after the sexual assaults and after everything else as she's being dragged away it becomes overbearing for mitch like mitch has this kind of he's overcome with guilt about what they've done to this woman but she's snapped and is gone so far mentally that she like he goes to say goodbye or something along those lines and she looks at him she doesn't know who he is and says that like whoever you are i've always depended on the kindness of strangers Irony being, he was one of the people that was involved and in, in implicit and completely fucking her over as yeah. a stranger. So it shouldn't have been a song and dance number. No, it shouldn't Amash, have been. Amash shouldn't have been happy. She and shouldn't waving. have been happy waving. Your now, friends, you haven't just, met. Now, here's a tip from Blanche: you can't forget. <laughs> it is a really good song at the end. It is. I'll give it that. Streetcar. Yeah. <laughs> And obviously the crowd goes crazy. They get a big mm. ovation. They went, oh, there's a Citizen Kane reference in in amongst all this. Yeah. By the way, Homer where he rips the program up and is wait, fanning it back and forth. Yep, yep, yep. Now, uh, the, as I said, get an ovation when Marge comes out. Everyone's standing ovation. Everyone goes ballistic. She mm-hmm. gets the roses and everything. Looks at Homer. Homer's not cheering at all, mm. and she thinks that Homer's just not interested. Thinks he's bored. I don't think he was animated that way. Like I don't think as an, I think pretty clearly as an audience member, you know he wasn't bored. Particularly because as soon as, like, that's mum, you get his little vocal, like, hmm? 
Yeah, like like you you know that he picks up attention as soon as she walks on stage, but, but she doesn't know that. He does. He doesn't look bored though. Like he looks. Yeah. He looks sad. Yeah. Like you would look at him and go, "Oh, he's not showing any yeah. interest." He looks actually upset. But yeah. you can understand why she would have interpreted yeah. it that way. Anyway, so she, he says to Marge, "Well, he says kids, can you go away? I need to talk to your mother about the play for a second. And then we get a bit more of Cockney from Bart. Yep. I can't remember what he says, but anyway, something about a little bit of alone time, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he says. Marge, you were terrific. Oh, come on, Homer. By the end, you were so bored you could barely keep your selfish head up. I wasn't bored. I was sad. It really got to me how that lady here... Um, you know which one I mean. You played her. Blanche. Yeah. It was good here that Homer could understand why the character of Blanche was upset, but he still... He can't see that in Marge. No, he can't see it in Marge, but he can see he compares himself a little bit. But it was, I think it was a nice touch how they had Marge. Would you say forgive him for it? Or is it more accepting? More of accepting. It's kind of like, it's like you're not that bad. Except, well, what about it when you do this? Okay, maybe. Yeah. But in like she still loves him. She's, yeah. He's, he's big oaf. And it was being, a really nice ending. He's being sweet at the end. Yeah, it was yeah. like, oh, maybe a little. Like she's willing to accept you. Maybe you are a little yeah. bit, but I still love you. I like the way, you know, it's so well delivered by Homer or by Dan as Homer. I love how sheepish he gets. Like, because Homer's not very smart, and it's not very often that he gets to interpret anything. And he's afraid to, he's going to get it wrong. Yeah, so he interprets it, and it's like, at least that's the way I saw it. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, sort of like replacing the roles, because Marge was sort of, earlier in the um, hmm. episode, not very, uh, what's the word, confident in her, what she was thinking, confident in what she was doing. Yeah. Now it's Homer, he was like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of dumb, I don't want to sound stupid, but I'll tell you what I think anyway. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it was a really nice way to end the episode, so it was a good ending. So, what were your final thoughts on the episode? Like, what did you think overall? Just going back to what I, you said. I, I, I really do love it. Overall, I think it's one of the... I can understand it not having broad appeal to everybody, but it's for anyone that's kind of into theatre or writing or play or even just watching them, if, if, even if not performing them. I think it's something you'll enjoy, but particularly if you've been involved in any form of production on your like, and you kind of have been backstage, then it takes it to another level for you. What did we learn, Palmer? So, what did you learn from this episode, Mitch? Uh, that you can always depend on the kindness of strangers. <laughs> I learned that a baby crying for its bottle is saying, I am a leech. <laughs> Jamil! Jamil is here! Ooh. Actually, a quick shout out to my homeboy, Nacho. For, homeboy? For the... Um, homeboy. For the What Have We Learned segment. So, um, he's a he's a really, really big fan of the movie Burn After Reading where What Have We Learned came from. What have we learned? He had to fill out an incident report at work the other day. And it came as he's going through. It's you know check check the boxes Q and A type thing. One of the things was what have we learned from this? <laughs> so he wrote, I guess we learned not to do it again. Fucked if I know what we did. <laughs> <laughs> so that it didn't make the final submission, but it got a big laugh from the guy, from one of his one ups. Okay, now opening up the mailbag though, we have a. Email that's come through from Dylan Haggett. Um, Haggett. This is just in re- reference to a couple of suggestions that we've had either from listeners or from ourselves about how to end The Simpsons. Um, his ideas were a couple opportunities that would have been perfect in his opinion would have been to either A, end the series on the movie, uh, or I feel like the movie I'm glad was, they didn't. Me too. Like it, it would have been a letdown pretty quickly. Yeah. Ending it with a movie is probably like is not the worst idea in the world but just not that movie but it's because i think too then every simpsons fan will associate that movie for ending the series mm. so it would leave a bad taste in your mouth i don't know or, or would you look at what or would we have looked at the movie in a more positive sense saying all right well this is it let's just enjoy it for what it is no 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 that wouldn't have worked for me okay i'd have looked at the movie and then 
I might have enjoyed it at the time, and then I've watched it a second time more critically and realised how full of shit the entire middle section of it was, and gone, oh, that was a kind of waste of my time, and I can't, like, is that the best they could have come up with? And I was like, 26 years, and this is what happened? Okay. Yeah. But a movie, I think, could have been fine. Uh, or the episode Holidays of Future Past, where Bart and Lisa are both adults trying to connect with their children. That's a good episode. Mm. Real Life Simpson Story from Dustin McKenna that I had a little bit of a giggle about. Uh, mate and I used to go to the Sunshine Coast quite often to go wakeboarding and would stop for a frozen Coke on the way back every time. One day on the way back, I suggested we try the new extra large ones for two bucks. I presume that's an extra two bucks. Only syrup. <laughs> one that's made entirely that from syrup. syrup. An all syrup squishy? Was <laughs> such a thing has never been done. It's one of my favourite... Sorry. Um, <laughs> as he, to apologise. As he handed mine in the drive-thru, so it's obviously not 7-Eleven, must have been like a McDonald's or something. As he handed me mine in the drive-thru, I sighed and in the most deflated homer voice I could muster, I said, it's oh, pretty big, I guess. <laughs> Apparently, mate laughed so hard that he spat frozen coke all over his stealer reel. <laughs> and that shit's going to be sticky. Yeah. Now, do we want to move from a real Simpson story straight into My Two Cents? No, I want a question. Okay, I want you want to answer something. Okay. Uh, then <laughs> this in- is the mailbag. Okay. <laughs> Calm down. Uh, Jason Canham has written in with a question that I thought was really good, which was, if you could have a movie recreated using Simpsons animation, what mm. would it be? In his uh, his example, it was, he sent that in off the back of us talking about Conair last week because he would love to see Conair done, but with groundskeeper Willie in the uh, titular role as Cameron. Well, not the titular role, but the main role as Cameron yeah. Poe. Pop fiction. Mm. With would you go like the Eddie and Lou? Nah, I've, well, what Matthew Schofield wrote? I drew that time. It was Lenny mm. and Carl. As it was Lenny and yeah, Carl, wasn't that, it? and it yeah. looked really really cool. It did look pretty badass. I. Every time that I, I, I've thought of this, I've come up with a different answer. As m- just because it would be incredibly messed up, 12 Years a Slave or Train Spotting. Is it too, are they too serious, though? Yeah, but that's kind of why I would like it. Like, I'd, I'd like to... It would kind of twist with your idea of what The Simpsons was supposed to look like to have Bart crawling out of a toilet bowl or Maggie, like, scattering along the roof from Train Spotting. Yeah, it'd be something different, that's for sure. Yeah, it'd, it'd, it'd just be so awful. That I yeah. I couldn't help but like I wouldn't be able to look away from it. Hmm. On maybe a more family friendly one, what else would work well? What's that movie you love? The Princess something? Nah, the, pr- the Princess um, Bride. No, maybe Platoon. Something like some sci-fi Saving movie, like Ryan? Independence Day. So, uh, I'd, I'd like to see something war style. That's kind of like in in um, Bart the General, where all family friendly war style. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but I mean like <laughs> less um. Christ, it's not it, nothing is as awful as train spotting, um, like mentally the ride that that's going to take you on. But like I, I like Bart the general, and I would like to see all of the kids sort of marching and maybe with Abe as the as the general taking all of the kids out to war to, to die. Well, not to die. Like <laughs> like what are the good war movies where they survive? Um, they die in Braveheart, don't they? Most of them. <laughs> um, Braveheart certainly does. I'm pretty sure when it's a war movie, people die. Something like U571. That's a submarine what about, like, movie. A war bon Jovi cops it in the face. A war on the sporting field. <laughs> a war on the sporting field? So it's a war between teams as opposed to people killing each other. Oh, okay. Like, like Little Giants. Remember the Titans? Yeah. <laughs> little Giants. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, there's a few. I'll now move on to my two cents story, if I may. Yes. I'm Kent Brockman and that was my two cents. Chris Tran writes in, my name is Christopher. I prefer Chris. You should have just gone with that. <laughs> and I'm from San Francisco, California. Every day before school, I would make coffee or tea before going to school and add about 10 mils of condensed milk to it. Now, I need to stop right there. 
Does anyone else add condensed milk to coffee or tea? Is that a thing that happens? I don't drink coffee. I it's, don't know. Condensed milk is milk that's had all the water taken out. It's just like super concentrated and fairly often it's like sour cream. No, no, it's got a sweetness to it. Okay. Um, it's used in baking a lot, but I've never heard of anyone. Oh, putting yeah, it I know in, what you're talking about. Yeah. Never heard of anyone putting it into a coffee. Maybe you could avoid having to put sugar in. I don't know. However, one day the usual glass tub that we saw the condensed milk in ran out, so I had to open a new can. As I am emptying a can into the glass container, my mum notices that I'm about to throw the can into the bin. She says I'm wasting what's left in there and proceeds to spend five minutes scraping out the can to get every last ounce from the side of the walls. Uh, I might that with the mustard. She then (laughs) pours hot water inside and starts swishing it around like it's a fucking chemistry experiment. (laughs) (laughs) My mum did the tomato sauce. She said said to him, for fuck's sake, mum, it's not worth the time. I understand that she grew up during the Vietnam War, but times have changed. We live in the USA now. We're not low on condensed milk. My mum used to do it with the tomato sauce all the time and it bothered me. Like yeah. She goes, oh, you can still, don't throw it out, you can still make more tomato sauce. Mum, it's fucking red water. I'm not putting that on my chips. I like, could I could stretch out like the last 2% of a Vegemite jar for three months. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so, so that's Chris's insight on what it is to grow up in a first generation Asian American household. Anyway, continue. Next question. No, that's it. That's that, that 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 we're done for the mailbag. Okay. Although we do have some good news, our friend of the show Yanni, um, Australian, well, Australian comedian, spends a fair bit of time in the UK as well. Oh yeah, he has a stand-up show that he's done at Edinburgh. He's done. Uh, he did a, a little run at the Melbourne Comedy Festival earlier this year. He's bringing it back for an encore run around Australia. So, the show is called "The Simpsons Taught Me Everything I Know." That's going to be in Brisbane on the twenty fifth of September, Sydney on the eighth of October. Melbourne on the 15th of October. Watch this space. There may be some potential news about those shows coming up that we will be able to announce. Sounds in- it's intriguing because I don't even fucking know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> There's some clips of it on YouTube. Some of it's pretty clever. No, no, not the show. I mean, the, the, oh, the news. Oh, what the news is. Fuck, yeah, I'm no. not paying at the show. Not the show is. <laughs> But you said we've got news to announce. Like what? what I don't. I don't know what it is. No. Nah, well, I like to keep plan the shit behind my back. I like to keep a few things up my sleeve. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for listening to our review. Of Yanni a is going to be the new co-host of Four Finger Discount with me. Fine. No more Dando. See you guys. I'll send you the recordings <laughs> every week to edit. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you're listening, um, when are we going to get this up? Today's Tuesday. Two, two, three days from now. Two days. Okay. Um, I, I did a little guest spot on... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. We've, I did a guest spot that I don't think I'm supposed to say was recorded in advance. So, I'm doing a little guest spot. <laughs> uh, I'll be on uh, Community Radio 2SE. If you're we've made in, it. If you're we've in the it. Sydney area, I've finally hit the big time uh, for their segment, Stories from Springfield. That's going to be this Thursday afternoon. But there will be a podcast of that segment going up we'll uh, we'll post a link to me not being very funny and if you listen carefully you can hear me nearly get run over as i was walking through the streets of melbourne sounds i was on my way to see sully in imax good movie yeah Uh, great movie um i've got a new life goal and that's to be portrayed on film by tom hanks like you know like that's the ultimate that's pretty much all he does these days it's like he just meets people in the street and says i'm gonna all right i'll I'll be you yeah (laughs) (laughs) but does a good job of it because like he's done sully the isn't that what he's always done though well i was thinking about this going back like not always because i mean because forrest gump was a real person the the train conductor i think from the polar express also was a real person and a real train i've I've been on that um journey before (laughs) (laughs) um so sully jim lovell from polo 13 
He plays Charlie, Senator Charlie Wilson in Charlie Wilson's War. He plays the, in Bridge of Spies. I'm pretty sure that was based on a real character as well. Uh, if you want to go back further, I'm 99. Captain Phillips was based on Captain Phillips, yeah. of course, was based on a real person. And I'm pretty sure the lawyer that he plays in Philadelphia with AIDS was Seven also... Private Ryan was based on a true story in some uh, true events. Yeah. yeah, but that wasn't a real person. That yeah, was, yeah. But I'm pretty sure the, the, the lawyer in Philadelphia. And, of course, the kid from Big. That really happened. Yes, of course it did. Yeah. <laughs> and he also had a dog named Hooch. <laughs> Was that Tom Hanks? Turner? Yeah, Turner and Hooch. Yeah, yeah. Good you, movie. Yeah, don't don't ever confuse that with K9 with Jim Belushi. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> oh, both good movies. <laughs> well, <laughs> one good movie. <laughs> one movie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so thanks for listening to our review of A Streetcar Named Marge. Let us know what you think about the episode. So email us at mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au or if you just see the post on the Facebook page, comment below and let us know what you think mm. about not just not just the Simpsons episode, about our review as well. A lot of emails came through this week offering you a beer while you're over in America. Yeah, I appreciated it. Mm. So I'm looking forward. To, I, I haven't written back to him more yet but because I don't exactly know where I'm going to be at what day. I'm going to have to ask Nicola our schedule because she's got it all mapped out in an Excel and once I've looked at where I'm going to be at what certain dates, I will get back to all you guys that have emailed in saying you want to catch up for a beer when I'm in the States during November and December. If you haven't written to us yet and you do want to catch up for a beer when I'm over there, November, December, I'll be in the States. So mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au. If you just have a question for us, email it through on my two cents story. Have we named that segment yet? Oh, we're supposed to, the guy wrote through to the, I'm going to get the Facebook page up now. Huh. Because the guy who suggested that name that you did appreciate, a perfectly cromulent Segment or something along those lines, ah, wasn't it? Ah, yeah. Do you, does that ring a bell now? Vaguely. I'm going to get the four finger discount page up and I'm going to find it now because I said to him that, because he wrote to us and he goes, by the way, I've got a shout out, but he didn't actually say my name. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to actually get it up now because I felt bad. Often I feel like the nameless shout outs are the best ones. You know, they're the ones that I read something and I think, that's really funny, but I'm too busy to write it down. I'll do my best to remember what this is. And I almost never do. I like being able to play God. Sorry, listeners, what's happening here is Dando's looking through the inbox and you're basically just getting my unedited internal no, monologue. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find it. Hang on. I do genuinely enjoy the power of being able to say and do pretty much whatever I want once a week. I think the only real shame is that I don't get to listen to this episode or any of these episodes myself without knowing what was going to come next. And it's probably a little bit too hard to appreciate my full genius. Yes, here we, I found it. For some reason, I knew his name was Chris. Okay, so first of all, he said, for your new segment, can I suggest cromulent expressions that have embiggened your real life? Ah, yeah, that's really good. And you said, perfect, thank God, that was really starting to get annoying. And then he wrote back, I demand 50% of the t-shirt sales, that's the sweetest plum. You didn't reply. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't respond well to demands. <laughs> And I will not negotiate with terrorists. And then, <laughs> especially ones named Chris Dunnell. Uh, so, there you go. You got your shout out. Sounds like a shoe. Chris Dunnell. Mm. Sounds like one of the... Not so, ja- much as, not so much as Chris, but Dunnell. Sounds like it'd be a shoe brand. Like Dunlop. Like, yeah, but like an off an off brand. Like, you'd get Dunnell. it at, you'd get it at um, Walmart or something like that. It'd be... Or, or, like, you'd go to the markets in Shanghai and they'd have Dunnell. <laughs> <laughs> but with the Dunlop logo. <laughs> Ah, so thank you for that name. What do you think about it? Cromulent expressions that have embiggened your real life. It's a bit of a mouthful. It's long. Mm. I'm not going to be able to remember that. I'm going to need to get that tattooed on my forearm just so I can yeah. remember what it is each week. Uh, so if you still want to send through suggestions for the name of that segment, we didn't actually read... Did we read one out for this week? Yeah, yeah. The, um, the, 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 uh, I'm pretty sure we did. It's pretty big, I guess. Yes. Yes, we did. Yeah. <laughs> 
That could be the name for this week. It's pretty big, I guess. Send through name suggestions to mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au. If you haven't purchased our premium podcast, I'm pretty sure everyone's just about purchased it. We've had a lot of downloads. Much, it. yeah. That's great. So uh, fourfingerdiscount.com.au forward slash premium dash podcast. You can find them. Bart versus Australia. And you only move twice. Cape Fear is coming up. I know we promised it last week. It's coming up. Can I tell you a quick story off the back if it's pretty big, I guess? I know you want to sleep. <sighs> okay, go. I had a se- <laughs> there, w- there was like a 76, 77-year-old man in my office today who was uh, having... Yeah, who, who let me know the next uh, the, like next week he had to go into surgery for at hospital. I said, what for? He was getting a um, prostate... Getting his prostate removed uh, due to the doctors finding cancer. Shit. Now, he's going to be okay. Once the prostate's removed, then he, everything's going to be coming so out fine. funny? No, what he said makes it funny. So, off the back of this, like I'd been talking to the guy for 40, 45 minutes or so in a fairly professional environment and in a fairly professional manner. He tells me about that. He said, then says, I was reading the brochure for the surgery and they said in there that at the end of it, uh, it may shorten the length of my penis by a little bit. I said, don't do that to me, doctor. I need every bit of it that I've got. <laughs> I nearly spat coffee on him. I was taking a mouthful as he said that. It's funny when old people say shit like that. I know. I've nearly lost it all over him. He's he's then followed it up with, I was actually going to talk to them and suggest that they might, you know, maybe insert a little bit of extra, like a rod in there or something just to be able to give me some more length. (laughs) And then he says that the doctor asks him, are you sexually active? Like that was one of the questions before the surgery. His response, well, I would be if I had anywhere to put it. (laughs) My God. So, how old is this guy? 71? 77. <laughs> um, he was saying. Who was he, customer at work? Yeah. Um, he, he followed it up by saying that um, maybe in the operation, like he was going to try and turn it into a Swiss Army knife of some point. <laughs> like they could add in a whole bunch of things. It'd be like an inspector gadget set up down there. Um, so that the his wife then chimes in with it. Like the so opera- he does have somewhere to put it. Yeah. Well, well apparently she's not putting out. But the, his wife chimes in with. Um, was she there when he said that? Yeah. <laughs> wife chimes in with, they said it's going to be a six-hour operation. I couldn't believe it was going to take so long. And then he comes back with, well, they've got to find it first. <laughs> I was in tears. It's like your own sitcom. He's my favourite person of the year. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. That was worth keeping me up. Thank you. <laughs> so thanks for listening to our review. I'm a strict cunt named Marge. Make sure you message us. Mailbag at fourfigurediscount.com.au. We'd love to hear from you all. Rate review us in the iTunes store and purchase the premium podcast if you haven't yet. Any final words, Mitch? Um, I just. You're just trying to get me up, aren't you? How long I can drag this for? <laughs> Wait. I wonder if people are still listening. It'll be interesting. The music will be going in the background. Yeah, it will be. You know, I uh, was on the way over here, and they had the director of that sugar film, oh, or the guy that's in that sugar film, talking about all of the sugary products that he had to eat and how bad they all are. And uh, I, sp- I spent like 10 minutes listening to how bad all those sugary products are. And they just mentioned sugar, 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 sugar. And I pulled into the service station and went, you know what? I need an ice coffee and an ice cream. So the moral of my story is <laughs> don't watch that sugar film. It'll make you want to eat sugar. <laughs> See you later, guys. Shh.